Hey, this is Dan Wunderlich from Defining Grace, and welcome to Art of the Sermon, a show for preachers, teachers, and communicators. I want to welcome you to episode two of this brand new podcast, and thank you to those that have taken the time to listen to episode one, my interview with Reverend McGray de Vega. Now, the way this show works is that I'd like to share an interview with you at the beginning of each month. And then in the middle of the month, we'll have an episode like this one where we reflect and build on the conversation, share any tangents or deleted scenes from the interview, and cover other preaching and communication-related topics that might be interesting. It's also during these mid-month episodes that I would love to include your feedback. What thoughts or reactions did you have to the interview? Are there any perspectives you feel we're missing? Or how about practical ideas or resources that you want to share based on what we talked about? Now, this particular episode is just an example. It's part of a three-pack of launch episodes that came out day one. So I don't have any of your feedback today, but I would still love to hear what you think about our conversation with McGray. So you can send me your feedback by commenting on show notes at artofthesermon.com, or better yet, reach out through Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, all at username artofthesermon. I'll be sure to get your feedback on episode one into a later episode as we go along. And I realized too, we don't always have the time to listen to brand new episodes of podcasts as soon as they come out, or maybe you're digging through the archives and some conversations may just take some time to process and an idea may strike you further down the road. That's cool too. The feedback channels are always open and I would love to hear your thoughts. So keep them coming, even if it's been a little while since the original episode was posted. I can't say thank you enough to Reverend McGray de Vega for being my guest for episode one of the podcast. Now, I have to admit, I was a good bit more relaxed this time around having a conversation with him than the very first time I met him. I've shared with you before that I'm a United Methodist pastor, and our ordination process culminates with a very big and very important interview with the Board of Ordained Ministry, and he was a member of that group. So meeting him the first time, he was there to interview me and grill me and test me and make sure that I was ready to be a pastor, and everything worked out just fine. I passed. I'm an elder in the Methodist church now, but it was certainly very nerve-wracking. And so it's been great to get to know him since then. He's a super nice guy, super generous with his time. And I would imagine that you got a lot out of our conversation as well. And I want to remind you that he has a brand new book out called Awaiting the Already, an Advent Journey Through the Gospels. It's a five-chapter survey. The first four look at the four gospels and which parts of the Christmas story come from which gospels, where the Advent material is in especially books like Mark and John that don't necessarily have birth narratives. And then the fifth chapter looks at different Advent themes in the writings of Paul. Uh, It's a great book. So if you don't have Advent planned already, maybe it's something you can get on two-day shipping from Amazon and check it out. But we dug into the theme of Advent and specifically preaching the season of Advent. One of the things that's been going around in my head since my conversation with McGray is the phrase, both here and not yet. And I'm kind of surprised that that phrase didn't specifically come up during our conversation, uh, but it was certainly thematically present throughout. And this is a phrase that we often use to describe the kingdom of God, right? The kingdom of God is here. We can see God at work in the world. We can experience Christ's presence. We can experience the Holy Spirit working in and through us. But the kingdom of God is also not yet. It's not quite fully here. There's still uh, suffering and sickness and pain and death. There's still sin in our world. So the kingdom of God is both here and not yet. And this is a concept that is sometimes hard to preach on or teach on or have a conversation about. It's, it's not the most concrete of ideas. It can sometimes be a challenge. And so if you have been looking for a way through sermons or small groups or a Sunday school class to, to talk about this concept of both here and not yet, perhaps Advent will give you the opportunity to do so. That's part of why I love the name McGray chose for his book, Awaiting the Already. 
because we sort of reenact this waiting for the coming of the baby Christ, right? We step into the shoes of Mary and Joseph, or even John the Baptist, people awaiting the coming of the Christ, and we wait for Christ to come. We sing our Advent songs, and then we sing our Christmas carols. But we, of course, know that Jesus came 2,000 years ago. He's already been born. He already lived. He already died. He was already resurrected, and he's already ascended. But of course, that means we are in this time of awaiting the next coming, the second coming of Christ when Christ returns and reconciles all things to God and makes all things new. And so we are in this time where where some things have already happened, but we're waiting on new things. And Advent is a season perhaps where we can really drill down on that. So maybe take that opportunity this year to work on that phrase, both here and not yet. And I was particularly encouraged by McGray's thoughts about giving Advent the time and the space and the place of importance that it deserves. We have to make sure that our sermons and our Sunday school curriculum, our small group conversations are truly Advent focused and that we don't just jump to Christmas. You know, as, as he mentioned in our culture, we tend to smush together or fast forward all of these holiday seasons together, right? We, we especially jump right from Thanksgiving to Christmas morning, thanks in no small part to Black Friday and Cyber Monday. And I'm not going to be too hard on anybody. I got a pretty great television on Black Friday right after college. So, you know, those who are without sin cast the first stone. But for example, my favorite coffee in the whole wide world is Starbucks Thanksgiving blend. And it usually comes out in the stores on November 1st. But then you know what happens on November 15th usually? And I know this because that's my birthday and I usually go in for my free cup of coffee on my birthday. I go in to get my favorite coffee in the whole wide world Thanksgiving blend on my birthday, November 15th. And usually that day they have switched it over to Christmas. It's not even Thanksgiving yet, and they've already gone over to Christmas, and we have a tendency to do that in the church as well sometimes. But this message of Advent is meant to be countercultural. It's meant to give us space. It's meant to, to build in us patience. It's meant to be this time for us to slow down and, and to tap into silence and to being reflective, and that is so the opposite of the noise and the hustle and the bustle of the world and the culture, especially during December. And, and as I mentioned, we and the church can even be guilty of it as well. We pack out our church calendars in December with extra music stuff and extra social events or maybe extra parties, and we're all we're all adding all of these things to our calendar and And it's actually the opposite of what this season is calling us to do, to slow down and to reflect. And so McGray said, this is not always going to be the easiest message to deliver because it's not a very popular message. But you know what? It's an important one. And in his experience, when people have truly entered in to experience an Advent service that was done well, they have found that this is the idea they've been looking for, whether they realized it or not. This is the true preparation for Christmas. This is what our spirits have needed. And so we had a great conversation with McGray, and uh, as tends to happen in a conversation that I'm a part of, there are tangents or parts of the conversation that don't fit the overarching theme. And so I'm excited to share with you a deleted scene of sorts from our interview with McGray. He shares about a week that he got to spend with Eugene Peterson as part of a writing program, and he talks about the discipline of writing and how it shapes us as pastors. So here's more from my interview with Reverend McGray DeVega. 
Well, speaking of keeping things fresh, uh, you have the opportunity and you follow through on the opportunities to produce a lot of material throughout the year. You, you preach on a regular basis. You write a midweek message for your church that goes out over social media and through emails. And, and like I said, you uh, have your book out. You also were the leadership editor for the Covenant Bible Study. You seem to have a lot of opportunities uh, to speak and to write. How do you keep the well full for yourself, both spiritually and intellectually? Well, uh, I'd be curious what your guests have said to that, because I'd love to hear that myself. Um, But for me, I've discovered that writing is a spiritual practice. Um, I was privileged to be part of a writing program at the Collegeville Institute in uh, St. John's in uh, Collegeville, Minnesota, about uh, six or seven years ago. And I had a chance to spend a week with Eugene Peterson. Uh, the famous uh, author behind the Message Bible. And he uh, really impressed upon me um, the need to be a writer, which, in his view, is very different from being an author. Um, He said a lot of folks come to him wanting to be an author, which means (laughs) they want their works to be published. Right. He said, you know, if you have that kind of ambition, then you're in for a long haul. And he really helped me remember that my goal is not to be an author, even though my name is affixed now to certain publications. It's not my inherent dream to be a published author, but it is to be a writer, which means fundamentally to be a caretaker of words. Words are our stock and trade as preachers. And in order to keep that uh, tool sharpened and in order to keep that resource fresh, I just have to write. Uh, even and especially in those moments when I don't feel like writing or feel like I have nothing to say, uh, because uh, writing is like flexing muscles. And if you don't use it, then they won't be there strong enough when you really need it. So I I started writing my weekly email devotional, uh, sort of in the practice of Jim Harnish, my predecessor, as a way of writing and reflecting theologically on current events and upcoming scriptures, and to do it with the kind of excellence that I thought that kind of message deserved. And lo and behold, as I started doing this about eight years ago, uh, the practice of writing that message every Monday helped me write my sermon uh, with more finesse and creativity later in the week. And... Uh, I've done enough of these midweek messages to where eventually I didn't realize it at the time, but I've got all sorts of wonderful resource material, original writings that I've been able to piece together to write things like uh, Awaiting the Already, um, as well as an upcoming book that I just signed a contract on for for Westminster John Knox, ironically, also about Advent. (laughs) There are worse pigeonholes to be put in. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like I'm getting pigeonholed. That's okay. And so just the practice of writing in and of itself, whether or not people will actually read what you have to say, is so important as a pastor, because whether we want to acknowledge it or not, words are a critical part of our job, whether they're spoken or written or read or heard. Uh, We have to be caretakers of words. So I take, whether or not I ever uh, publish another book again as an author, is really beside the fact uh, I really take seriously my calling to be a writer. 
and there's that concept that Malcolm Gladwell has alluded to it, the 10,000 hours rule about mm. the, the mastery that just right. comes from doing. You have been perpetuating and creating your own well for a while. And as you said, with the Advent season, you're now different than you were when you wrote, you know, August of eight years ago. Absolutely. And so you can, you can take those topics. And what that week with Eugene Peterson revealed to me is, and I didn't realize this would happen, is that being a better writer actually has made me a more effective pastor. And being a more effective pastor has made me a better writer. Um, I think there is a symbiotic relationship between that, be- uh, between those two um, kinds of activities. Um, th- that goes back to the way John described the Incarnation, uh, after all, that oftentimes God works by making the Word into flesh, and um, I just think that if preacher, if if pastors want to be better at what they do, uh, they ought to focus on becoming better writers, and vice versa. I think that's just so critical. I loved that part of my interview with McGray, and it didn't fit into the overarching theme of Advent, but it was certainly something that I wanted you all to be able to hear. And it was really neat to to listen to McGray talk about his week with Eugene Peterson and the things that he learned, especially writing being a discipline and how we are a caretaker of words. I've heard lots of writers and lots of creative people and even non-creative people talk about how it is important that we don't just wait for our, our, our passion to be up. We don't just wait for the muse. We don't just wait for the days that we feel like doing it. We get better by doing it whether we want to do it or not. You know, when you skip a week at the gym, you can tell. I'm in a, a window right now where I'm trying to get this podcast ready to go and I have not been to the gym and I am dreading going back because I know it's going to be a little bit harder because I did and do it. The same is true with writing and with speaking and, and with preaching and teaching and leading a small group. There's this rust that builds when we don't do it. And there's lots of different activities uh, that you can do to get this going. Uh, there's a concept known as the morning pages where you take three blank pages and you fill them up with just long form handwriting, whatever you think of, maybe some doodling, just fill them up. Whatever crosses your mind. It doesn't have to be profound. It doesn't have to be great. The idea is that not it's not going to be shared with the public. You may even just throw them away as soon as you're done, but you get it going. I've also heard another tip if you're facing writer's block, especially if you're sitting at a keyboard just seeing that cursor blink at you on the blank page, that you just start writing. Maybe you even just start typing gibberish. That muscle memory of just getting going sometimes primes the pump. Or maybe you start writing about something that has nothing to do with what you're doing. You know, you sit down to write a sermon and instead you just start writing a short story and then maybe at some point you can kick into gear with what you were supposed to be writing. It's this idea of doing it over and over again. And this is not the coolest or most relevant example, but I've heard, uh, you know, John Mayer talk about how he has to do songwriting on a regular basis. And the idea isn't that he's trying to sit down and write a hit song every time he goes at it, you know, and it doesn't mean that he has to do something completely 100% original every time either. You know, maybe he'll take a set of words that he already has written in the past and give it a new set of music, or perhaps he'll take a chord progression that he's used on five or six different songs and find a new set of lyrics to go on top of it or a new rhythm to apply to them. It's this idea of just just sitting down, whether you feel like it or not, and getting it done. And I'll close out this episode by sharing one more thought. It's a quote from writer William Zinser. And he says, if writing seems hard, it's because it is hard. 
And it's it's really encouraging, perhaps, to hear from people like Eugene Peterson, to hear from pastors like McGray De Vega, or even uh, writers like Zinser, to hear that that this is hard. It is work because I think sometimes we get this idea that if we are called to something, it's going to be easy. If we're called to something, God is just going to open up all the doors, all the neon lights are going to go on, the the heavens are going to you know sing in perfect harmony over us, and everything is going to go great. But when you look in the scriptures. That is just not the model of the called people. That's not even the model of the called communicators. How many people were saying exactly what God was calling them to say? And it was hard. It was either hard for them to find the right words, or it was it was hard for them to do the act of speaking, or it was hard for them to deal with the reaction of other people hearing what they didn't want to hear, right? The Bible is full of examples of people who were called. And were smack dab in the middle of their calling, living it out every day and yet faced incredible challenges. And I just believe that how hard or how easy something seems is not directly correlated to God's call on your life or your work. Rather, the measure of God's call is found when you lean into that which is hard and you find the strength, the assurance, and the encouragement to keep going. So this Advent season, whether your calendar is wide open or you can't even see any white space on it. Whether you are going to get the chance to truly live into the breathing and the patience and the season of Advent, or whether we're just a couple weeks out, you have nothing planned and you're starting to panic. Know that whether this season is hard or it's easy, that is not a reflection of whether God has called you to do what you are doing right now. I get the feeling that if you're listening to a podcast like this, if you care about preaching, If you care about writing, if you care about leading your small group or your Sunday school class, if you care about having the kind of conversations that most people are freaked out to have, because sometimes sharing about God and the scriptures and our faith are difficult, if you're that kind of person, chances are God has got some kind of call on your life. So live into that call. Well, thank you so much for joining me for episode two of Art of the Sermon. You can find show notes, including links to some of the things that we talked about at artofthesermon.com. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, you can connect with me through Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, all at username Art of the Sermon. That would be a great way to send me feedback, and I would love to hear what you think about the show, both this episode and our interview with McGray in episode one. And I'll get some of that feedback and incorporate it into a future episode. And this is episode two of our three-pack of launch episodes. So episode three is already available. You can listen to my interview with Reverend Chad Brooks, a church planter and podcast host himself. And if you want to support our show, the best way is number one, go ahead and subscribe to the show through the iTunes store or your favorite podcast app. That makes sure that new episodes are downloaded as soon as they're posted. And then secondly, probably most importantly, go into the iTunes store And if you enjoy the podcast, if you enjoy this episode, leave a review. It lets iTunes know that you care about the show and you want other people to check it out. It's how people like you find shows like this. So thank you again so much for joining me, and I'll catch you next time on Art of the Sermon.